welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, Director of the Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services, Daryl George Sr., has died. We get remarks from a former colleague. We get updated to the ongoing water crisis in St. Croix from Vitima Director Daryl Joshin and the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority CEO, Andrew Smith. During the Committee on Housing, Transportation and Telecommunications hearing, Senators receive updates on the VI Slice Home Ownership and the Envision Tomorrow programs. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Daryl George Sr., the director of the Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services, has died. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. made an official announcement yesterday afternoon, calling Director George a dedicated public servant and cherished member of my cabinet. In a press release from Saturday, the Fire and Emergency Medical Services relayed that the director had been hospitalized due to a medical emergency. Speaking with the Virgin Islands Source in 2006, Mr. George talked about his long-term goals in the fire department. He shared that his dream was to one day be the director of the fire services and expressed that he believed he had the experience and fortitude and could really make a difference. We spoke with the Port Authority Executive Director Carlton Dow, who during his time with the Virgin Islands Fire Service recruited Director George, affectionately known as Mousy, back in 1995. I jokingly say what I brought... Mousy, when I hired him, he didn't even have a driver's license. So back then, we, you know, we worked with him, make the arrangements, make him go through the testing process. And he just wanted to do that. That was his life. And he proved it. And hopefully people could be dedicated. If the one thing we could take from him is dedication to something and about caring about the community. He kept it. He kept the retired firefighters organization going. He kept the junior firefighters program going because that's from where he started. He gave his life to the place, you know, he gives his life to this place. In Government House's press release, Governor Bryan relayed that one of Director George's legacies was his tireless advocacy for the merger of the Virgin Islands Fire Service with the Virgin Islands Emergency Medical Services to create the Virgin Islands Fire Emergency Medical Services. In honor of Director George, Governor Bryan ordered that flags throughout the territory be flown at half-staff until sunset, calling it a small yet significant gesture to remember and pay tribute to a life that touched so many. During a briefing on Tuesday, Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Agency Director Daryl Joshin and Andrew Smith, Chief Executive Officer and Executive Director of the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, provided updates on the recent testing done on the St. Croix water distribution system. CEO Andrew Smith said the recent results were surprising because as recently as September, the Water and Power Authority was following EPA potable water standards. One factor that may be contributing to the results is that of the samples taken in the supplemental sampling, over 80% of the samples were drawn from areas where WAPO water has not been used for an extended period of time, in some cases for many months. With little to no water use, water sitting stagnant in the distribution system can impact test results. 
One point I want to clarify is that we believe the source of lead and copper in the supplemental samples is our distribution system and not the water produced for WAPA by Seven Seas Water uh, in loaded by water haulers to provide to customers with cisterns. If the source water produced by Seven Seas contained elevated levels of lead or copper, then elevated samples would be expected to be found throughout WAPA's system, and that is not the case. On Saturday, all 35 sites that showed heightened lead and copper levels were resampled and sent out to an EPA-certified lab in Florida. Director Joshin said the results of that testing are expected to be returned by Friday. Any samples returning back positive will be considered a public health issue. As of this press conference, the territory has not received any results from Water Power Authority sample retesting from Thursday or Saturday. Commissioner for the Department of Health, Justa Encarnacion, responded to inquiry on whether there had been reports or tests on citizen who had been exposed to lead. She relayed that the department had received 12 calls to their hotline, but no one has shown up to their testing sites to be tested. She relayed that they had received one lab request. We have had one request from our clinical lab. We have not gotten that result back yet, but they are linked with um, Dr. Ellis, and as soon as that result come back, we will, we will receive that result. In related news, Senator Diane Capehart has called for a meeting with representatives from the Environmental Protection Agency and local agencies to discuss new developments regarding the contamination of the water infrastructure on St. Croix. We spoke with Senator Diane Capehart to tell us what she hopes to gain from the meeting. I just want to have a better understanding and what EPA is going to do because when you start finding lead um, and, and those kind of contaminations in the water, that's where WAPA, they're not doing the testing. DPNR, they are not going to do the testing. EPA would be the ones doing those testing. Senator Franklin Johnson also echoed the same sentiments as fellow colleagues for a committee of the whole meeting and called on the administration to declare a state of emergency. We spoke with Senator Johnson to respond to Government House's statements that a declaration won't empower the government of the Virgin Islands to take any additional measures beyond the scope of its current response efforts. In the state of emergency, use the Arab funds and supply water to the neighborhoods, especially those that are tested with lead in it. We are on the verge of something similar to Flint, Michigan, and Flint, Michigan, and we, we cannot sit back. We cannot. I will not sit back, that's for sure. The news feed has learned that there is a committee of the whole meeting in the works for November 3rd. And at Tuesday's Senate Housing, Transportation, and Telecommunications Committee hearing, senators received updates on the VI Slice Home Ownership the first-time home buyer, and Envision Tomorrow programs. Members of the 35th also voiced frustration over what they say is a lack of progress in the various programs. Wayne Biggs Jr., the chief executive officer of the Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority, delivered testimony during the hearing and noted that eight VI Slice home ownership transactions have been approved in the territory, totaling $614,757 in gap financing, with overall bank financing just under $2.2 million. Responding to Senator Diane Capehart that the VI slice process is too bureaucratic and needs to be streamlined to effectively help Virgin Islanders, Mr. Biggs responded, I don't think our program is bureaucratic. 
Um, it may be bureaucratic to get a mortgage, um, but all the mortgage entity does is upload the documents and we respond back via email. So no applicant comes directly to us. So I don't know why an applicant would say via a slice of bureaucratic. Senator Donna Fred Gregory remarked that while the slice program sounds good in theory, she relayed that there were unrealistic expectations from the program. Inquiring with Mr. Biggs, Senator Fred Gregory remarked on the funding of the slice program. I have to ask, and I don't know if anybody here could answer the question, but these are ARPA funds, correct? Correct. And there is an expiration on the ARPA funds, correct? Correct. And once those funds expire, what do we do with them? Because it doesn't look, what, do you remember what year it is? Is it 20 next year? I think it's 2026, if I'm not 2026. mistaken. 2026. So yeah. once, if we are unable to um, move the needle on this, then what's, what happens to those funds? It goes back to the federal government. Senators Blighting, Carriung, and Bolquez questioned why Banco Popular, initially named as a participating lender during the program's launch, was not yet on board with Senator Angel Bolquez remarking on Banco being the biggest lender in the territory. The biggest financial institution in the Virgin Islands is not on board with this program. And for me, that's a problem. Yeah, well, that's no fault. Well, again, Senator, the, 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 our council is meeting with their council to see how we can get them on board because they modified the MOA. Um, and, of course, we want to make sure that um, EDA and the SLICE program is also protected. So we're reviewing those modifications and seeing where we can come to some joint agreements. CEO Biggs relayed to senators that they hope to have matters resolved by the end of the week. Senate President Noble Francis pointedly asked Dr. Stephanie Berry, Virgin Islands Housing Finance Authority's chief operating officer, what truly needs to be done to move the needle forward to see the benefits of the housing programs. Workforce, contractors, education, those three. I can come before you in every session and say in the first quarter of next year, we plan to solicit for two major um, projects that will result in 20 homes in the territory. And if I have contractors that are already maxed out with other obligations or they're thin or as it is with workforce, there is nothing that I can do to build these 20 homes. During Tuesday's Senate Housing, Transportation and Telecommunications Committee hearing, lawmakers received updates on the status of affordable housing initiatives, including the implementation of the 2003-2004 Affordable Housing Plan the status of the first-time homebuyer program, and the Envision Tomorrow program. Dana Clendenin, Interim Executive Director of the Virgin Islands Housing Finance Authority, delivered testimony about the programs and told senators that 27 homes had been completed since the Envision program launched, with more than 400 homes in some stage of design and the rehabilitation process. While the Housing Finance Authority's Envision Tomorrow's project managed to rebuild 27 damaged homes from 2019, the St. John nonprofit Love City Strong has repaired 37 since 2018. Senators were frustrated with the disparity, with Senator Franklin Johnson angered by those numbers and received response from Ms. Clendenin. Is it correct to say that? Some, somebody please help me understand this, Matt. Is it correct to say that's what I'm reading here? Yes, Senator, that's correct to say. However, I'm sure Love City Strong does not have the federal hurdles 
that HFA has to include environmental assessments of every single home before one dime can be drawn or put out um, on solicitation. So, yes, you are correct. Lawmakers express worries about federal funds being returned because of how slow the process appears to be moving. To that, Director Clendenin assured lawmakers that the territory was not in danger of losing any federal funding. We are not, we are not. We are not in danger of any funds being returned but coming back for the grant. We are not in that space and place. And I, I just want the record to, to reflect that we, and I know um, everybody's equally as frustrated, but within the last year too, we've actually gotten our kudos from HUD on the improvements we made and the way forward. We're turning now to the island of St. Croix. That I will support, obey, and defend, obey and defend. The, Constitution and laws of the United States, the Constitution and laws of the United States applicable to the Virgin Islands. Applicable to the Virgin Islands. The Virgin Islands Police Department graduated another peace officer recruit training class on the island of St. Croix. The graduation ceremony was held on Monday at the D.C. Canagata Recreation Center where 20 graduates marked the end of their seven-month-long training before joining various law enforcement agencies on the island. Speaking about the call to public service, Governor Albert Bryan remarked to the graduates. Public service ain't easy in the back when you, you know, fighting with a bad supervisor and you got to make sure you're trying to get supplies to do your job. You might not be working under the best conditions because we got some strenuous conditions in our community. But when you're out front, like me and like you, it's double tough, triple tough, five times as tough. You are the public face of the government every single day. You're the public face of Ray Martinez, Albert Bryan, and every other law enforcement officer. It is not going to be easy. It's difficult. Thank you for deciding to lead, for deciding to serve your community. Because now more than ever, all of us in here in this community needs us. In our conversation with Police Commissioner Ray Martinez, we asked if the recent graduates in the department would assist the short staffing and excess of overtime the department has been facing. Uh, it will, uh, but it won't be overnight. You know, over the next year or so, it'll, uh, it'll assist. But, you know, we still have to take a look at the fact that on St. Thomas, we graduated, what, nine, ten full-time, another five auxiliaries, St. Croix, where numbers are pretty close to, um, to that as well. But the truth of the matter is that half uh, or close to half of my personnel are eligible for retirement right now. And coupled with that is the, um, the biggest issue, no matter, uh, we've got great recruitment right now, but the biggest issue is that millennials do not want to be in law enforcement. And even if they choose to be in law enforcement, they do not want to be police officers. The commissioner shared that the need for officers is critical as retirement continues to affect retention in the department. We're in October, and I think I've already signed off the acceptance on easily close to a dozen retirements that are going to occur between November 31st, November 30th and December 31st. And on the island of St. Thomas, the Hampton by Hilton broke ground this past Friday in Havenside and is the first new hotel being built in the U.S. Virgin Islands in 30 years. The hotel will include 126 rooms and will aim to mainly serve the business community. 
It's slated to open in 2025 and will be constructed on property owned by the Government Employee Retirement System. Administrator and Chief Executive Officer for GERS, Angel Dawson, remarked that the partnership would help bolster the pension system financial standing. Because while it's called the Government Employees Retirement System, GERS, I also call it getting everybody's retirement secured. And this is one way that we are doing that at the GERS, by developing our properties with partners such as Sean Miller, Haven Development. Of course, we also have significant property holdings in St. Croix, S.A. Castle Coakley, and on St. Thomas, Hoffman Nollyberg, which we intend to be developing within short order as well. The Hampton by Hilton St. Thomas is expected to assist local businesses as the hotel will only serve breakfast and rely on partnerships with local restaurants for other meals that can be delivered. Guests will be able to utilize in-room tablets to order cuisine or merchandise for delivery or pickup. The project is being headed by Haven Developments, which is partnered with Hilton. Haven Development founder Sean Miller shared remarks during the ceremony about the construction being a milestone for the island of St. Thomas. In working with Hilton, they shared research showing what a major impact the hotel will have on the Havenside Mall. I'm excited to bring new visitors to the area and engage with all tenants to include them in an online marketplace for our guests to order in or take out food and merchandise. Working with the Chamber and many professional organizations on island, they are elated to have a new business hotel to support economic growth. The five-floor hotel will restore the Hilton brand on the island and will feature a pool, bar, kitchen, and meeting space. The adjacent 2.6-acre parcel will be used for a welcome center, green space, and parking. That's according to a release from Haven Development. The Office of the Lieutenant Governor, Virgin Islands State Health Insurance Assistant Program, will be hosting an outreach event aimed at Medicare beneficiaries. On St. Thomas, the event will be held on Thursday, October 26, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the University of the Virgin Islands Innovation Center. On St. Croix, Tuesday, October 31st, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the University of the Virgin Islands Great Hall. Individuals can learn about available services, understand their Medicare coverage and available options, receive education on Medicare mental health benefits, learn about Medicare fraud errors and abuse from senior Medicare patrol, as well as attend presentations by licensed mental health professionals. To register, contact the VI SHIP office in St. Thomas at 340-774-2991, extension 4505, 4507, or 4508. On St. Croix at 340-773-6449, extension 3151 or 3152. In more community news, the Virgin Islands Board of Cosmetology and Barbering under the Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs is notifying the public that due to last week's weather advisory, the Practical State Board exam for cosmetology and barbering has been rescheduled for this upcoming Sunday, October 29th at 7 a.m. Registered candidates must be present no later than 6.30 a.m. For more information, contact the Office of Boards and Commissions on St. Croix at 340-713-3522 and on St. Thomas at 340-714-3522. And... 
the Community Foundation of the Virgin Islands is inviting applications for the 2023 Popular VI Community Fund grants. Nonprofit organizations may apply for up to $10,000 to support program-related costs. The Popular VI Community Fund aims to enhance programs focused on youth education, youth economic empowerment such as vocational training and employment support, or environmental projects in the U.S. Virgin Islands and the British Virgin Islands. For more information about eligibility and evaluation criteria, or to submit an application, visit www.cfvi.net. The deadline for submission is October 31st. As we continue in the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. The European Union has raised security concerns about the trade in golden passports and has vowed to tighten visa controls. The Guardian reported that five Caribbean countries to include Antigua and Barbuda, Grenada, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia and Dominica have sold citizenship to 88,000 individuals from various countries, including Iran, Russia and China. A report published by the European Commission last Wednesday sets out for the first time the true scale of the Caribbean passport trade. A number of countries sell citizenship to foreign nationals with prices starting at $100,000 per person. The commission is proposing to overhaul regulations, saying it is concerned golden passports could be enabling the infiltration of organized crime, money laundering, tax evasion, and corruption. The commission wants the power to suspend visa exemption for countries that sell citizenship to buyers who, as they say, don't have a genuine link to the country. The commission further stated that those who acquired a second citizenship are being allowed to change name and identities, and that such practices could impede border controls and the enforcement of sanctions or Interpol arrest warrants. The report said the rejection rate for applicants to Dominica and St. Kitts and Nevis were extremely low between 3 and 6 percent, which combined with the short processing times, as little as two months in some cases, raises questions in regards to the thoroughness of the security screening. The reports also raise concerns around the nationalities of golden passport holders, saying that most applicants come from China, Russia, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Yemen, Nigeria, and Libya, all countries that have high levels of perceived corruption. Visa-free travel to countries such as the European Unions and the United States is one of the key benefits advertised by Caribbean citizenship by investment. Threat to that privilege could directly affect native-born Dominican citizens, as it already happened in July when the United Kingdom withdrew visa-free travel from its former colony, with Suella Braverman, the Secretary of State for the Home Department, citing clear and evident abuse of the scheme, including the granting of citizenship to individuals known to pose a risk to the UK. On Dominica, an island with a population of just over 70,000 people, included 34,500 passports, the report claims. That number is more than four times the previously disclosed number by Dominica's government. As we update the news feed, we're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at your short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Clouds will increase this afternoon across St. Croix. We'll find scattered showers as well with temperatures in the upper 80s to near 90. Winds are from the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Heat indices are not as high this afternoon. 
only in the middle to upper 90s as the clouds build in. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find clouds increasing this afternoon with scattered showers towards sunset as well. Temperatures will climb into the upper 80s to near 90. Heat index values a few degrees higher to near 100 as we go into the late afternoon hours. Tonight's scattered showers will continue particularly early. Then we'll find mostly cloudy skies after midnight at St. Croix. Temperatures will only fall back to near 80. Winds from the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, scattered showers and thunderstorms are expected mainly before midnight. It's mostly cloudy otherwise. Temperatures are similar to near 80 as we go into early on Thursday. Thursday features a mostly cloudy sky with scattered showers at St. Croix. Temperatures will climb only in the middle to upper 80s, so not as warm as the last few days. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find scattered showers as well through the afternoon. On Thursday, it's partly sunny to mostly cloudy, with temperatures in the upper 80s to near 90. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura-Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app, and if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.